The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound, not just here or here, but everywhere. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Thanks for listening to Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest in American soccer. And don't forget to subscribe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Jodrand. Joining me as always, Jake Watroba and Armand Kafai. On this week's episode of Uncle Sam's Soccer Podcast, we discuss meaningless games in MLS and promotion relegation. We react to the news that the Columbus crew will be staying in Columbus. Hashtag save the crew. Plus, Antoine Latran calls in to chat about what's MLS like overseas, save the crew, and playoffs. Finally, it's another edition of The Counterattack with Jake Watroba. Please, listeners, if you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. You don't want to miss out on your favorite soccer podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Pod. Like I said, show on any podcast platform. Leave us a five-star review. Let's get to today's show. How are we doing, guys? Jake, how are you enjoying the snow in the um, middle of October? Yeah, it's BS. Let me tell you something. This week, <laughs> this week has sucked uh, on many different levels for the great state of Minnesota. Just want to. <laughs> we have snow. We have Minnesota United. Have you bleep and need me, Gate. We have Minnesota United fighting Colorado, <laughs> <laughs> losing to nothing. We have uh, we have Spitgate with Harrison Heath spitting on uh, some Colorado Rapids players. Let's see what else. Uh, what else do you guys want to know about? You get the snow. <laughs> you've you've said that. At least you're not Colorado <laughs> where they're under like multiple inches of snow. I mean, it'll all melt this week. It's I'm not too worried about it. I'm sure the same will happen in Colorado too. Um, yeah, that but... is typically what happens after it snows. It melts. Not all the time, Steven. <laughs> Ooh, hit him with the change up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, Armand, how you been? Right, you're going to uh we're recording before the game tonight. Tell us about it a little bit. Yeah, so uh the US women have a chance at qualifying for the World Cup, like today, if they beat Jamaica, which after going to both press conferences, I think the Jamaican coach kinda just knows like we're gonna lose. <laughs> It was one of the most like bizarre, not bizarre. I think it's pretty normal. But he, I think he just was telling us about his players. Cause I mean, we're not none of us are really familiar with the Jamaican national team, women's national team. 
So he's just telling us about his players and not really much about the game. I think they're, they're really playing for that third place game, which probably is going to be Panama, Jamaica. And that'll also give him a chance to qualify for the World Cup. But yeah, man, I have to run around in the rain to try to walk into uh, the women's national team practice. And they decided that it's a closed practice, so I only get to see the first 50 minutes. And let me tell you, their stretching, their stretching technique is like A1. Because that's all I saw. All I saw them do was stretch. That's it. That's it. I didn't see them kick a ball. I didn't see them do anything. I just saw them stretch. And I looked at the press guy. I'm like, are you serious? He goes, yeah. Did you talk to any of the players? Nope, because they didn't tell any of us that they were talking at a hotel. So I didn't talk to any of the players. No one communicated anything. And this is the problem with U.S. women's national team soccer, that they decided, you know, they're going to tell a certain few people. I'm not going to tell people who actually, like, you know, want to help cover and expand the game. And they're going to complain why they don't get as much exposure. The so good Bravo. old boys. It's the good old boys. It's the good old boys club. Yep. Wait, so it I'm is. confused. Who's who controls the, the media access and wouldn't it be a benefit for area reporters to get access Steven, to the you team? understand, bro. It it would be. That's the thing. <laughs> it would be. It, it, I, don't, I, I don't get it. It's supposed to be through CONCACAF, but no one sent anything to me. And I was talking to another journalist about it. No one said anything to us. It was a certain select few people. I mean, it wasn't until a press conference where someone was like, yeah. Uh, Becky Sauerbrunn uh, said this uh, today. And I was like, wait, y'all had media availability and you didn't tell any of us? Come on. It's it's a, it's a little ridiculous. And and the fact is they want exposure for the game. And I want to help bring that and other people want to help bring that. But if you're going to, you know, keep it hush-hush and only tell a certain amount of people, then you're going to get what you're going to get. You know, it's, I, I, can't, I can't help you if you're not going to tell me anything. And I've heard most people have the same issues. This is a really dumb thing to ask because we're recording before the game and this will be published after the game. But how many people do you think will show up? Weather's garbage. It's going to be raining. Um, I pray to God it won't. I think it might get delayed. I pray to God. And uh, if God is listening to this podcast, please just just don't let this game be delayed. But uh, it looks like it's going to rain around 7, 8, 9. I expect maybe a few people to come for the Canada-Panama game. And I don't expect... A sellout for the women's national team. Uh, I'd say fifteen, sixteen thousand. I don't ever really hijack the first segment, but I did have this on my mind, guys, and it's time to come clean here. I got to confess something. I was watching Copa ninety uh, this morning, and one of the popular journalists was covering the St. Pauli Hamburg derby, and they went on to Hamburg's history of promotion and being in the top division forever and finally getting relegated and um i think u.s soccer must at some point develop promotion relegation because we complain that you know mls is very americanized and i think that is a detriment to how soccer could be viewed in this country look what people did with save the crew the fan base it saved literally the fans had enough noise and got something started to make something happen where the crew now are looking like they're going to stay. It's not definitive, but it seems very, very likely, right? So promotion and relegation is more than just a business thing. I think it could really tap into the sports culture that we have here in America or the lack of that we have here in America and really grow something because I think it would be fascinating to see, you know, 
cross you know if you had a team in Fort Worth that were in the, the third division you have FC Dallas right and suddenly they make some noise and they mean the US Open Cup you start to you know put some more fuel to the fire with sports rivalries something that we're lacking right now in this country so promotion relegation I think is really the way to go and if you all you MLS fanboys are gonna you know hate mail at Steven Jodderan this week <laughs> oh wow he, he's taking it on today I'm serious. It's just watching the Bundesliga and just knowing what it means to fans. And plus, let me ask you, Armand. FC Dallas played DC United. How many people actually cared that happened last night during the international break? Uh, I I honestly didn't watch it. I watched part of it. So, I mean, there you go. But there you um, go. So we Colorado, Minnesota played yesterday for oh, nothing. Oh, for oh, what was the point of them playing? They should have never have showed up. Jake, I have never regretted going to a soccer game more than the one I went to yesterday <laughs> afternoon. I hey, at least the last the last me. fourteen minutes were kind of kind of lit. Oh, I, I left as soon as like as soon as stoppage time was announced. To be honest with you, um, no, I drove to that game and thought, why the hell am I going to this stupid game? It literally <laughs> means nothing. There's no playoff implications. There's no relegation implications. It's just too. Uh, dog bleep teams jake can i ask you something um do you think that game was one of the more embarrassing games in minnesota united's history uh in mls at least i don't know if anything will ever top the atlanta united match the snow opener is what we call it six one yeah i mean i don't know maybe i'm not maybe i'm wrong because like minnesota united fans seem to be like well yeah it's great we're in mls who cares that we lost six (laughs) one but I think that game, that the first ever match against Portland, that also was pretty embarrassing. Actually, actually that, that Philadelphia Union game last was that last week or two weeks ago where they, they lost four zero, five zero, something that, like that. That one's also very embarrassing too, considering there were still playoff implications. I mean, it's Minnesota United. There's a lit. There, there's just there, there's there's a list of just kind of embarrassing per, performances out there. So, but what I mean, it... that that ranks up. I guess. Would it not be more exciting knowing Colorado's at the bottom that they had something to play for where the fans are engaged? And you might be like, well, Colorado's holding on to your life. You know, I'm going to tune into the Well, yeah, the it, would de- it would definitely add an incentive to the match. It's just, I mean, th- this match, like I said, there was a bunch of matches um, in MLS. I think, did we talk about this last week over just like text? How it was like a bunch of matches like coming up that like legitimately have next to no meaning. But... There's also some matches that have a lot of meaning with, no, the, you're play, right. with the playoff system. I mean, Dallas, SKC, LAFC playing uh, SKC also on Decision Day, I think. There's a lot of matches with that. But the problem is there's also a lot of matches that just literally have negative like meaning. And I think that Minnesota-Colorado game was one of the – one of those matches. We should – go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. Sorry to cut you off, Steven. Here's the thing. These matches where you have Colorado and Minnesota playing each other – if the MLS draft actually meant something and you were getting, you know, these next generation players, kind of like how you see in the NFL or the NBA, if if you were a team like Colorado, tanking would make sense, you know, and and, and you'd want to see your team lose. But because the MLS draft is kind of just, it's, I, don't, I don't know if crap shoots the right word or it's just kind of, it doesn't really add anything to your team the following year for the most part. Like, like, like these games are extra meaningless compared to like if they would be in, and in, Colorado in the doesn't even have their Colorado doesn't even have their draft pick this year. 
they trade to Dallas. <laughs> so it's so like, and the thing is, a lot of these teams don't play younger players. So, uh, what, what's going on? There's no well, but, development. Wait, 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 wait. But w- even if Colorado just put out a, a squad of U23s, I doubt people would watch the game. I don't think watching the game regardless. Well, I know, but even if (laughs) if you're an MLS loyalist, you know, a fanboy, do you really want to see your squad roll out the twenty three? I would. I think I would argue I would because I'd like to see you know what we have in the pipeline coming up compared to the the players that we're we're seeing. um, I mean, I would too personally. I would too, but I wonder if it deters people to going to the game. But I mean, here's the thing: is like in the Bundesliga, you got kids playing all the time. You, yeah, you, Weston, you, McKinney. No, but they pump kids in all the time, and they make a point of emphasis with the youngsters to be like, "Here's our future. Here's the person that we think in five years will lead us to something." Do we see that in MLS? Do we see? I don't know Minnesota United, the New England Revolution, LAFC, LA Galaxy promote their 15 year old or 16 year old star and say, I wish the "This Galaxy is the would. guy." That I we want to build would. around, who has the potential, Afonso Davies with at Vancouver. How much was he of a name twelve months ago to uh, people across MLS to the neutrals? To the neutrals, ah, it's a, it's a tough question. I feel like he was a little bit. He was rising. I think is the right. He was a rising star. But if he were in a different league, people would have known more of him. It's like Efren Alvarez, man. I mean, I'm. Pre- have y'all heard of this kid? The Galaxy. The Galaxy. Yeah, it's Los Dos. Um, he's a Los Dos product. I think he has what twelve goals in sixteen games for their USL team, and he's just scoring some remarkable goals at age fifteen, sixteen. And the Galaxy, in order to quote unquote protect him, are refusing to uh, uh, call him up to the uh, first team. Protect him uh, from what? Why? They, they they said protecting him from like media and expectations and stuff like that. that I was like, that's terrible. That's head, stupid. They, I feel like Alvarez, honestly, at times is better than some of the options the Galaxy has offensively. I mean. I would like to see an, an Alvarez over, let's say, like a Chris Pontius. Now, nothing is Chris Pontius. I just want to see what Alvarez can do. Think about Within it. that lab, maybe pair him with Zlatan. That would be such an interesting dynamic. A that would be so cool. 15-year-old plays with Ibra. 16-year-old plays with Ibra. Be it's awesome. something that we're missing. It's something. It's something. It's something we're missing. And I think it's because I think Cannon said it. I was talking to Reggie Cannon one day, and he said it best. And I actually threw it in an article because coaches are scared. Because they're like, okay, we didn't, make, we we want to make the playoffs super badly. They're scared. They're they're too worried about development. My, why is it? Why is it why that is the New York Red Bulls can play can play mm-hmm. kids constantly? Why is it that Atlanta United can throw out George Bello and Andrew Carlton, but you have some of these teams that are just they're terrible and they still refuse to play the kids? I don't understand that, Armand. Can you like, what's the rationale? You say coaches are afraid to what? not get relegated because they can't get relegated like what what, what, what are they afraid of <laughs> they're th- that that's the thing i think they're just okay so they have this goal of making the playoffs at first right you don't you don't and for them they don't think they're young their academy is capable i think that's the that's the one thing that's what i feel like coaches in this league think they don't think their academy is capable of producing talent that can play 
right now, and they don't want to see, you know. And that's the thing, Jake, because I agree with you. I'm not arguing against you. I agree with you. They have nothing to fear. They're not going to get relegated. They're just going to be bottom of the table. They might get fired, but I mean, in Anthony Hudson's case, he's not going to get fired. In Adrian Heath's case, he's not going to get fired. He's got a vote of confidence from uh, their hey, man. CEO. Just need three to five more players, and we're going to be right in that playoff chase next year, man. <laughs> they leave. They he has met expectations. Let me tell you. Um, yeah, well, it's, rid- it's ridiculous. It, it is a confusing league, and it got more confusing with the announcement. What was it, Friday? Yeah, as you as you've all known, we've been covering uh, hashtag Save the Crew, and Friday was a very hectic day. I was trying to work on a project, you know, as a good college kid would try to do. But uh, my Twitter was bombarded uh, with just what's going on. It's hashtag save the crew, blah, 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 fake Grant Wall, all that good stuff. And basically what we found out was that there's a bid to keep the Columbus crew in Ohio's capital, uh, which includes uh, the Haslam family, the owners of the Cleveland Browns, and the Edwards family from Columbus who have entered negotiations with MLS to purchase the team. Uh, it's, a, it's a development they're committed to uh, – getting a stadium downtown and uh pre-courts Austin FC will come in as an expansion side probably in 2021 uh if they get the agreement done with McCullough place uh for the stadium so did hashtag save the crew work guys did it work I guess because I don't think I don't think this is about the crew uh I agree with Armand I don't know if hashtag save the I'm gonna put on my tinfoil hat Wait, 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 wait. I would like to reframe uh, all hate mail now targeted at Armand Kafai and Jake Watroba. No, 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 I don't think this is – Look, I mean you can take this however you want to take it. I'm not sitting here trying – I'm not going to uh, take a dump on Save the Crew if that's what you think I'm going to do. I, that's not my intentions with what I'm about to do right now with what I'm oh, about boy. to say. Here we go. I'm just stating my intentions, okay? I'm just stating my intentions. Save the Crew was a fabulous movement. They brought attention to – what was happening with the Columbus crew, with Austin, with what was going down in Austin, with uh, pre-court sports venture and MLS. However, Tinfoil Ted, as I guess I, don't, I think one of you just called me, yeah, uh, yeah. speculates that this was more so. This was more so MLS and its owners putting pressure on pre-court to not push the Model Law. To not find out if that law would actually work. And when I mean owners, I actually mean uh, owners in other leagues, such as the NFL. Now, if you look at MLS, how many NFL owners are in, in MLS right now? Six? Seven? Something like that. And if, if the Haslam, I think it'll add one more. Well, let's name, let's name them off. Kraft. Kronky. Kraft. Hunt. Kronky. Wilf. Wilf. I mean, wait, dude. Does like Ziggy Wolf, as an owner of Nashville, does he have any say in the league right now? Or is I feel like I feel like year? I feel like they have a little bit of say, a little. I forget that Nashville is coming in. Blank, or yep, Arthur Blank. Um, is that six, seven? Paul Allen is Paul Allen on the Sounders? I think so. Yeah. And then now you have the Haslam's too. You can't tell me that some of these owners who have other franchises and other leagues looked at that Modella and said, you know, we like to hold cities hostages or hostage to get publicly funded stadiums. You can't tell me that they didn't say, maybe, maybe don't test this law. Maybe let's not find out if it works because if it works, 
It's going to be on the front page of every newspaper across this country, and every state legislature is going to run to put that Modell law in place. And I think MLS was pressured into not pushing it and just said, screw it. We'll keep the crew in Columbus. We'll just give Austin FC an expansion team or and, whatever they're deeming Austin FC to be. I'm, maybe maybe the crew are the expansion team next year. I'm not sure how it's actually. I've, I've seen it where Haslam's had to pay the expansion fee to buy the crew. That's potential. Like, like that's like the the potential deal that, that has to be done to to kind of finalize everything. Um, but I don't know. To me, that, I mean, this seems like more of a MLS and his owners and potentially owners in other leagues not wanting to test the model law. Yeah, and I and that's exactly what I was meaning. I don't think this was about the Columbus crew. I think we were all overlooking the battle. I think was it Stover or Mickey, one or two, who came on our show and told us, "Hey, this might have a little bit more importance than anyone else thinks. You might have other leagues looking at this because you're right, Jake. If the Model Law was upheld and they voted in favor of the city of Columbus and the Model Law." I'm sorry, but teams, the cities, like I said, would be rushing to pass this through, and then what? What happens? You lose that uh, leverage to, you know, push for a publicly funded stadium, uh, and you can't, you can't use relocation anymore as a as a threat. So, while I, like you said, hashtag Save the Crew did a fantastic job of re- of raising awareness for the cause and being very, um, very vocal about it i don't think this is as much to do with hashtag say the crew as as it as people want to make it out to be it and i don't and i just i feel like that's a really logical conclusion but i don't think anyone else is sharing our our sentiment our thoughts on Does, that doesn't pre-core get the last laugh here sales of the crew yep. gets out of columbus and gets his team in austin yep i mean congratulations to the fans i they they did what they did. They keep their team. Now it's their turn, or it is time for them to show up to make sure that they truly support the club and say that, you know, they're going to go to these games once the new stadium's built, or if it is built. Correct. Yeah, it, it, it's it's on them now. It's kind of a weird, not weird. I mean, look, they 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 walk. They talk the talk. Now let's see them walk the walk. Let's see let's see how they perform. You know, they have new ownership. No more pre court. Um, and if Haslam buys a team, I was talking to someone else about this. I do believe that, hey, they should maybe revamp it back to the pre pre court rebrand. Uh, the the three little crew guys, uh, maybe like modernize the logo a little bit and go from there. Uh, the, the problem is, remember how we said Austin's gonna have a very tight uh, microscope on them for attendance? That's gone off Austin. It's now in Columbus again, guys. Whether people like to say it or not, if Columbus struggles, if Columbus struggles with new ownership, what can you say now? What can you say now? Well, I mean, this is this is the gamble that everybody, the league's taking. I I think pre-court. I wonder when pre-court originally announced how much of his lawyers told him the Modell law is going to be an issue. And if he, if if the lawyers were smart and if they could have foreseen it, I wonder if pre-court <clears> – my turn to put the tinfoil hat on, by the way. If pre-court leaked it or they said, you know what, we want to relocate, hoping somebody comes and invests in the clubs and buys it for a ridiculous amount way over the market price that it's 
you know, what it was at before he announced that he's potentially relocating. Because the crew weren't, you know, it, it was not like they were worth a, a ton. What was their value? Like an average MLS club? Like, you know, 150, 140 probably? I mean, I'm going gonna, gonna to Google that quickly. In that range? Tinfoil Ted? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I would imagine they're probably they're probably valued right around that that dollar amount. I mean, Matt Free Stadium doesn't – it's not a new stadium, so it isn't not, giving them any – Matt Free Stadium is not even an asset, dude. No, that's like, it, that's it, it's, it doesn't, add, it doesn't add any this. value. Get this. The Columbus, Columbus crew, this is according to com. The LA Galaxy are $315 million according to this 2017 value ranking. You know who is at the very bottom? Colorado Rapids? The Columbus crew at value of $130 million. It's less than an expansion fee. So, damn – and, and, ML, and MLS just got just got somebody to, somebody to essentially buy the Columbus Crew for 150 million dollars. And but I guess wouldn't you assume that there's a new stadium getting built? Yeah, well, that was the I think I saw in one of the it's one of the caveats. Yeah, like they wanted to build that new stadium. They've, they've already been talking with Columbus lawmakers or the city or whatever about potentially building a stadium downtown. And is Jimmy Haslam even a good owner to have? Like, he's had his own, like, share of I think, I legal think if, cases. I think if you're crew fans, you don't care if he's a, a good Yeah, beggars can't be choosers, you know? Right. Yeah, I think what you're happy about is, for right now, the Columbus crew are staying in Columbus. And, I mean, I don't – like like you said, do you really want the Browns to own your franchise considering the history of, of the Browns? No. People, made, people make excuses, but the thing is, I think with Haslam is he wants to be really hands off, and if that's the case, it's gonna be great. But guys, I, I don't know if I was talking to you, you guys about this, but I feel like the crew. What's gonna next year? I don't know what's gonna happen with the crew. They're gonna lose their coach, who has been running things like a tight ship. He's made players that have been eh to like really good. Let's look at Giassi Zardes. Look at look at how he's ch- turned it around from his days with the Galaxy. You can go with Justin Miram. God awful at Orlando City. Comes back to Columbus. Looking fine. Looking good. There's a lot of players that I think are a little system specific to what uh, Greg Berhalter does. And Greg Berhalter is probably a top five coach in MLS. The, the fact of the matter is winning produces attendance. Stadium can do all that. But if you win, people are going to show up. So we're, if we're looking ahead... Do you, do you do you believe in this Columbus market? Do you guys believe this Columbus market? If even if they struggle, that they'll that they'll continue to show up? No, because it's not in the it's not the interest of American sports fans to show up when your team's losing. It's just not. That's a good point. It's mm-hmm. it, it, this is not European football where you have relegation to worry about, like in, in the case of Hamburg in the last over the last decade. Right. You know. <laughs> I mean, granted, you know, you have Stoke City last year who, you know, the attendance dipped as the team struggled. And if, you know, as, as momentum built a little bit, you, you start to start to see the resurgence. But the moment they got relegated, nobody showed up for the games pretty much. Attendance dipped. Right. The moment's the mm-hmm. official announcement. But in, in American sports, your team sucks. I'm not going to go. <laughs> What's the point? Mm-hmm. And that's the big worry. MLS is risking a, a lot here with staying in Columbus when they had an owner that said, I wanted to get out. 
And this has the the thing is this comes back to the fans and whether or not there is fan investment or interest in the sport and into this particular into the league. You know, people don't realize Colorado struggles with attendance. The Revs, at some cases, do because they're located so far out of the the city limits of Boston. Dallas, man. Dallas. <laughs> with the obvious one. Houston on the field. And they, they Houston do is downtown it. and they struggle. So there are multiple markets that have issues between connecting with fans. And Columbus, for the longest of time, were one of those clubs. Let's not magically like. Let's not just suddenly make Columbus Crew be out this fantastic fan base that's had all the support. No, the moment they got <laughs> at Steve at Stephen Jodoran on Twitter. Just want to remind everybody, <laughs> the fan attendance for the Columbus Crew has always been shit. Okay. Yeah, lack of a better word. It, it has, like, okay? They're gonna hit you, you're going to get hit with some graphs, though, so watch out. You, you better be studying some statistics because you're going to be staring at graphs. They're going to be in your mentions all day. We know uh, you're not an analyst guy either, so you might want to brush up on Yeah, you might want to brush up where you hit, hit you with the graphs. No, but teams always struggle. The Columbus crew magically aren't, aren't an amazing market, you, you know, in terms of um, – they're not like a Portland or Seattle. We shouldn't expect them to be, but they've kind of placed these expectations on themselves, right? With, 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 with the whole, you know, like hitting us with grass and stuff. If in two years we're here with the same, oh, sixteen thousand, what's excuse now? Is is you, you are you gonna blame Haslam for it? Well, get get this, twenty twelve, MLS attendance. This is uh, WorldFootball.net. Columbus Crew were fourteenth in the league out of nineteen. All right. Yeah. So, so let, let me let's fast forward 2015. Okay. Let's see. What, what is that the year they went to MLS Cup? <laughs> That's the year they went to MLS Cup, right? The numbers don't lie. Let's see. 2015. Um. Hmm. Hmm. Where did the Columbus Crew sit? Oh, 16th out of 20 teams in the league. Oh, okay. Yeah. The, the, it's a great, great, great amount of attendance. Dallas sits at the bottom there too. Like, yeah, let, let, let's not kid ourselves. It, it's not like the Columbus crew had had this fantastic fan base in, in attendance numbers. Okay? The last year is different. You can't compare the last year because fans were pissed. They wanted to send a message. There was this conflict inside. Go support the team and give them the money or not. Uh, you know, don't give them the money, but you don't support the, the boys on the field. Okay? There, there are markets in this league, particularly the 1.0s, that struggle with a fan connection. And maybe, maybe this puts the kick a, in the ass. Yeah, maybe this is the jumpstart, and the crew suddenly launch into a, a a premier soccer town. Okay, we we we've heard it multiple times. Columbus is this historic venue. Mexico versus the United States. Dosa Zero, the first soccer specific stadium. Okay, you got your wish. Now the crew are staying. You can do all the talking you want, but if you don't act. It looks it looks rather foolish. Anyway. I wonder how I wonder uh, before you go, Stephen. I wonder how many of those I think was it eleven thousand uh, season ticket holders that committed to that that pledge. I wonder how many of them actually convert into actual season tickets for the crew next year. I'm interested by that. All right, that's at, number. Uh, Jake Watroba at or Michael Fai at <laughs> Stephen Trotter. Anyway, listeners. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you're you're such a you're such a fraud. Oh, I'm not. Unc Sam Soccer Pod. That's the one you want to hit. We all see it, so you can target all three of us. But I stand by what I said. 
What a fraud. Uh, Jake. J never mind. I'll tell you off the off the uh, off the mic. Anyway, up next, we're going international. All right, listeners, as I mentioned, we're going international. So joining us right now is Antoine Latrin. He is writer for Lequin Opposé, based in the UK in France. Also a podcast called so uh, Culture Soccer, which is in French. So if you know any of our French-speaking lis uh, French listeners, might want to check that out. Antoine, how's it going? Really good, yeah. I'm really happy to be there. Uh, really love your podcast, by the way. And uh, thanks for having me. Oh, no, thank you. But uh, we, we were just finishing talking about the Columbus crew, and uh, I think the three of us are certain that we're going to get some hate mail. So I don't know if you – give us your takes on, on on everything. Obviously, being in a country or being in Europe where soccer is a lot different, the fans have a lot more mm -hmm. of a say when it comes to their clubs. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I was really surprised when I heard the news that um, the like the Columbus fan – did find investors and that the league was okay with gay, uh, having them stay in Columbus. I was really, really surprised because um, the vision we have kind of of US sports and in general, not just the MLS, is that business always find a way to win in the end. And uh, it was I was really surprised to see that. But at the same time, there's one backdrop to the fact that uh, the Columbus will stay in Columbus and Austin will get the expansion is that that means one of the city, I don't know, like Sacramento or Phoenix wouldn't get an expansion. So that's a, another problem that the league has to face because um, Don Garber always said that he wanted to fill the map of the U.S. with all the expansions. And uh, now he has like three uh, franchises in Texas and mm -hmm. um, he might have to like maybe delocate one at a point to get another another city, uh, another soccer uh, team in Phoenix, I say, or Sacramento, as I said earlier, or Detroit too. So this is going to bring like a lot of problems. But I'm really happy for Columbus. Um, the fans deserved it, and I'm really surprised. As I said, I would be interesting to uh, to see what we do with the expansion. Armand, I mean, I think you and I were talking on the phone Friday about how there's the chance of them. You know, what are they going to do? Are they going to go 32 teams? Oh, they're going to keep teams? going. I don't, I don't think they're going to stop. I think they're going to keep going. I, I don't see – they. Don, Don, Donnie Boy says 28, but I, I see them expanding even more and more. I mean, the way they've been producing the, the with the league, the structure of the league, it's more structured like an NFL, an NBA, an MLB, where, you know, you're going to have your 32 teams, no promotion relegation, you're going to have your playoffs – uh, you probably won't have every team playing. I, I just see it following that trend, especially with uh, Don's uh, NFL, NFL background. Yep. NFL background. So I mean, that's just that's just me. I mean, Jake, what do you what do you think on that front? Well, yeah. I mean, it, <clears throat> right now, I mean, there's that's definitely where it's trending. Where it's gonna be a closed system. I I, I wouldn't be surprised if they move to 40 teams or or something like that. Considering you know the game is only played. Like th this game isn't just played in the U.S. like baseball or American football, or, or you know, uh, so there's a much bigger talent pool to draw from since it's a world game. But Antoine, I, I wanted to ask you this: what you're you're based in England, you're you're also you know French too. Uh, what is what has been the international take on the Columbus Crew potentially relocating? Has this been talked about? by other media members in England or France or even various 
parts uh, in Europe? It has a bit, but I'm not going to lie. Um, for example, Zlatan makes all the headlines uh, in Europe or Rooney, but like the Save the Crew, not really. Uh, obviously, when you go on Twitter, even if you're French or British, if you follow one or two accounts dedicated to MLS, you'll see the news. And a lot of people actually got interested on, on what was happening thanks to Twitter, but not really on the newspaper on a daily basis. It doesn't really, like, no one talks about it. Um, people were talking a lot about, like, uh, what was the last relocation? There was a... I San Jose? Now, the, for, I think it was NHL or NFL, I can't remember, but or NBA. Another sport relocation where people were talking about it because... It was something that was happening a lot, but I don't think people actually cared about <laughs> crew moving in Europe, uh, except the people that obviously are in Europe. Uh, I know, for example, a guy um, that's a Twitter account called MLS, MLS Trucker, uh, mm-hmm. British blog, really, really good one. Uh, and he followed that a lot. And a lot of people kind of know the relocation thanks to him, I guess, but it hasn't been talked in the general media. Um, just to come back to the expansion thing that you were talking about, I don't think the league will go to 40 teams as soon as, uh, like, not in the next 10, 15, mm-hmm. 20 years. I think at a point, maybe 30, 32 teams, they just start to slow down so that the USL team can probably catch up and really, like, solidify it. Also, they just restructure the, the USL. You talked about it in the last podcast. But, so I think they're going to wait for a bit, uh, 30 or 28 teams, wait for the other teams to grow so they don't um, get an, an expansion that wouldn't be prepared. And then maybe after five, 10 years, they'll start another expansion process going to 32, 44, maybe. Yep. Yeah, I think I think that's a pretty, uh, a pretty solid theory. And in your own thoughts, Antoine, what do you what do you make of the expansion process? I mean, it's we don't really see it anywhere else. But in America, I mean, what do you make of the whole uh, expansion process? I'm not going to lie, I love it. <laughs> kind of why, that's why I love American soccer, because it's so different from Europe. And that's what kind of got me into it. Um, it's just the league has to balance the fact that they need big cities. I don't know, like Detroit um, or like they had with Miami. They mm-hmm. need these big cities because they have a lot of players there, potential players. But at the same time, they kind of still need the small cities. Like Cincinnati isn't that huge, for example, um, but they still got an expansion because they had fans involved, they had um, just good owners too, they really had, it was kind of a soccer city, um, whereas some other big uh, cities aren't. And that's what I love about that expansion process, that they have to balance it too. But at the same time, they can go to, let's say, 60 teams. So at a point, they'll have to decide between which one will bring the most money and which one will have maybe the better fans and the better images on TV, stuff like that. So it's going to be really interesting what happens uh, in the future. But I really do enjoy that from a European point of view. It's really different from what we have here. Um, and it's just really weird that the league basically choose where he puts the team. Uh, it's a really weird concept. <laughs> yeah, it is weird. Uh, you get a team. No, and you don't. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but the promotion relegation, we actually, at the beginning of the show, we talked about it, how... I believe personally that U.S. soccer must implement promotion relegation because in American sports we don't have it. And if MLS is able to flip that and switch the sporting culture we see, I think soccer in America would take off differently and there would be a different f- fan base or and a different type of, I guess, culture or passion behind the sport that I think you'd see more like you get in Europe. But... From from the European point of view, 
playoffs, no promotion, no relegation. I mean, is that a concept that you know some people like, not like? I don't know. I'm, I'm sure the owner of like the big leagues in France would love it because that means, like, for example, uh, not I don't know Lyon, Marseille, Paris in France, they would be forced to be in Ligue 1. So that'd be perfect because you always get the biggest cities, the one that everyone watches on TV. They, the owners probably would love that. But no, in Europe, we love promotion relegation. The promotion relegation battles are really interesting. I mean, in the UK, the playoffs to get in Premier League are a really big deal. Um, at the same time, when I talk about it with my friends that don't actually follow MLS, uh, they'll just, I mean, I explained to them that basically a team like Houston could just play really offensive soccer without really, not this. I'm not going to say they don't care, but they're not getting relegated. Like there's no, if they if that doesn't work, they can try another tactic next year. They have the time to be to be where they need. They have the time to establish the tactics they want. They don't have to face the the fear of relegation, so they can actually give the public a really good and nice uh, soccer. So that's a really good thing. And also, I must say, uh, the US probably will implement promotion relegation in a point, I guess, but. It brought so much stability. Um, I don't think he could have kicked off like like it is like it's so it's growing so much. I don't think it could have if it wasn't for um, the closed system that you have in the U.S. Antoine, I want to ask you this because in European soccer we don't we don't really ever see this outside of Leicester City winning the Premier mm-hmm. League uh, two, three, four years ago, whenever that was. Um, with MLS, you kind of have this this. Uh, it's, it's, it's set up to where you feel like any team can win MLS Cup. We're in, let's say, League 1 or the Premier League. It's basically, you know, in France, it's going to be recently, it's going to be either Monaco or PSG. Or in the Premier League, it, it kind of just rotates between Manchester City, Chelsea. Um, well, that's kind of what it has trended towards the last, like, five years. Uh, is that As a European, is that something you would like to see in domestic leagues in Europe where you can, you can see a team like Lille have a chance to win win league on actually um it's so funny you say that because Lille actually won it eight years ago or something like that and before uh paris got to the top of Liga and started spending a lot of money you had quite a good um i mean montpellier won it one year bordeaux another year mm-hmm. marseille another year but yeah i'm not really a fan of uh like the, the, the fight that psg is just always winning but in the same time I don't think without PSG, you would have, for example, we had a new American investor in uh, Marseille. I don't think without PSG, you would have that. Like, you might need that locomotive to pull the entire league um, onto good tracks. Um, And I think that's something that I also love about MLS is that, I mean, I know the Colorado Rapids are not going to win the league next year. But (laughs) at the same time, on the same time, you still have like three, four, maybe 10 teams that could win the league. Um, I'm not going to lie, I didn't thought. Seattle were going to make the playoff this year after the really bad season they had. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that DC is getting back in, the fact that, um, just to be fair, at the beginning of the season, I thought Portland would be number one in the West. Now they're like struggling to get on the playoff. I didn't thought Dallas or Kansas would be that high. So that's what I love about MLS too. And I think if people get more into MLS in Europe, they would see that it's way more balanced and that's actually better. Um, but in Liga, you have a point. It is really uh, single-handedly um, uh, the PSG that always wins. But in the same, like living in the UK, the the Premier League is actually quite competitive between five, six first teams. Maybe I know Tottenham 
never win, but they always get <laughs> quite close to winning. Yeah. Um, I mean, even pressure. Liverpool. Yeah, even Liverpool are getting really good uh, for the recent years. So yeah, they are not the leagues I'm specialized in, but I gotta say it's really exciting, and I think European football could uh, could be better if there was more competition. That's for sure. Would you be in favor of, uh, like MLS has, a potential cap on, like, like not necessarily a salary cap, but maybe, I, I guess is, is a better word, like a transfer cap, I guess, I, I think, where they wouldn't have to spend, like, an exuberant, uh, where they have a cap on how much they could spend uh, on transfers, try to balance out the field, or should you, do you think it should just continue to be, like, this open market without any, uh, I guess, regulation in terms of how much a team can spend? I actually never thought of it. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> now the idea of having like designated players or salary caps in Europe never crossed my mind. <laughs> I know some uh, some clubs actually use it. In France, we have Saint Etienne, who for a really long time had a salary cap within the club um, because they were, didn't have them. They didn't want to uh, just put too much money on one player because it could ruin them. Um, but I don't think it would happen. So I, I'm not gonna. I never thought of it. I don't think people would like it. Owners won't like it, and it would never get accepted. Uh, I do think transfers are going quite, uh, are rising madly uh, recently. But I mean, there's nothing you can do. It. It's just like the economy of the world. <laughs> uh, it's not just football. Everything is rising. Um, so yeah, there's not nothing you can do about that. Actually, the only thing you could do. Uh, I support that idea. Some European coach wanted the transfer. Uh, window to be way um, way more cut, just like a month or something in summer. Uh, I think just the month of July and uh, shorten it. That's the word. Shorten it for a while, and I think that'd be a good thing. That'll be interesting to see. I mean, <clears throat> I, I wanted to ask you, Anton. We had Callum Williams, the play-by-play uh, -play guy for Minnesota United, come on, and he's a UK bloke, and he was talking about you know fans in the UK, you know, watch MLS, but. What, what? How much people do people pay attention to MLS in regarding to what's happening besides? Steven, let, 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 let me tell you this. Let me tell you this before Antoine answers. I follow the FCD French account, which is a <laughs> French oh. account by some uh, for uh, for FC Dallas by some mm. random fan, and I promise you, he has more analysis <laughs> than any uh, U.S. based fan I've seen. So, just from my experience, I feel like they do some follow it really closely. Yeah, that's the thing. You have like a Twitter sphere, which is really different from the real world. But that FC Dallas account you're talking about is doing an incredible job. Yeah, <laughs> we have a we have a community of French accounts. Actually, I used to run a Seattle Sounder uh, French account for a while. Um, but it's really different because yeah, you have so people are following the league. Some people are following the league, but it's, they're really rare. Most of the people are curious. They're curious because. Um, you could see like crowds like in Atlanta or LAFC or the uh, relocalization of Columbus Crew. So they're all curious on that way. And also you have the um, kind of US, uh, I wouldn't say love, but interest. The fact that there is this America kind of make people interested in MLS. I mean, for example, I think if you just ask a random person in France and the UK and ask them, what's the better league? Uh, Liga MX or MLS. Most of them would say MLS because they know about it. Because they, I mean, it would be it wouldn't be true. It wouldn't be true, but they would they probably know more about MLS because of all the retired people and because it's the US. Um, I know in France a lot of people actually watch NBA, mm -hmm. uh, the NBA, and so I think that's they are fascinated by the way Americans just take the game, 
Um, for example, I know the paper the paper I wrote that worked the most was an interview of the Las Vegas Lights uh, president, and it's because he's taken such an American approach to the game that he actually interested a lot of people. But the day-to-day results, except from a couple of people on Twitter, I don't think people actually watch it. Uh, also, the broadcast has been really bad in France uh, uh, by Eurosport. Um, but there, so there's a duality between the fighter. Also, people think it's a bit hipster. I mean, people are interested in it. You every time, I, for example, this morning I actually played football with um, Seattle Sunder shirt on, and a few players told me, "Oh, that's." quite cool uh you have a seattle shirt and you see la galaxies or red new york red bulls shirt around um uk and france but at the same time they still think it's a retirement league um because most of the headlines on the normal newspaper are about slatan rooney as i was saying uh but it could change it could change because for example i know italy kind of changed their mind a bit uh, recently because of jovinko who went there way earlier than he should uh i know in france we had alessandrini who joined quite early in his career um, so it could change, but for the moment, there's still that duality between the fact that it's cool because it's the U.S., but at the same time, it's a retirement league. Even, sorry, Jake, I know you have a question, but even with Gignac in Liga MX? Yeah, um, that's, we actually, uh, on the website where I work, we also cover the Mexican league. I do not, but I, a colleague does. And he's annoyed because every time Gignac scores a goal, he makes all the headlines, but no one actually cares about anything else than Gignac scoring goals. Uh, <laughs> literally, it's, it's really bad because they always talk about Gignac, but they actually have no idea. They never, no one ever watched the MX uh, game in France. Um, so, yeah, and no one obviously follows the CONCACAF Champions League, so no one would know that MLS get beaten every, every year. Yeah. Uh, Antoine, one last question here before we let, we, uh, let you go. Um, we hear, we've heard Don Garber say this in the past, how he wants MLS to be a top five league in the world. Do you, do you at any point foresee MLS climbing the, the mountain and being one of the, the top leagues in the world? So people could laugh at me because of that, but I do think it could in, I don't know, really long-term future, like 20, 25 years, maybe 30 because it's the US, that's the thing. Like Americans have more money than Europeans. Generally, look at all the Premier League clubs; they're owned by Americans. Um, you've got players that just want to live in the US. I mean, no one wants. No offense to British people, no one wants to live in uh, Manchester. Everyone just wants to live in Miami or Los Angeles. So yeah, I don't think. I think it'll be in 20, 30 years because people do like the US and like what it represents. And um, they have the money and they have the, the power a bit. But um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't think in five, 10 years it will be. Well, Antoine, we can't thank you enough for joining us today here on the show. It is our shameless plug. So please plug your podcast one more time where we can follow <laughs> you on Twitter and your writing, although that's going to be in French. So. Google yeah, Translate well, will be your best friend there. Exactly. Americans. I write for uh, Lucas Naposé, uh, probably maybe the only actual media that covers <laughs> uh, regularly the MLS. Um, write about like everything that's around soccer, um, everything that's cultural, but soccer too. Um, on that, and I've got my podcast, Culture Soccer, for anyone who speaks French, with a Montreal uh, colleague called Anthony. Because, yeah, I didn't, we didn't really talk about that, but we also have a lot of influence because... The, uh, all the Montreal fans speak French so we have a lot of influence by them but, um, so yeah that's my Twitter account also Antoine Latron. Um and thanks for having me guys you're doing a great job really love your show been listening for a 
couple of weeks, maybe a month, uh, actually. Yeah, a couple of months. And uh, really enjoy what you do. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, take care, Antoine. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, that was an interesting interview. Definitely. He likes our show. Hey, Alexi Lawless liked our show, so I think we're on a good I'll trend. I'll see him today, so I'll say what's up. Will you? Pod. Yeah, probably. Are you Is actually gonna, are you gonna drop the, the pod's name? I always named out the pod. I named out the pod to Callum Williams. He said, yeah, he remembered. <laughs> Everyone remembers. He said, yeah, I don't listen to I mean, you guys, at, but yeah. At, at, at that point, at that point, we were all like pretty pissed off because we we're going to middle of a four-hour rain delay or something like that so um no but was yeah there, but i mean was there anything that antoine said that that's okay I, I found it interesting that you know the jerseys there, there's this his, yeah, hipster hipster uh type trend going on with mls in europe but which i think is, is also fa- fascinating because it's like people who watch like the championship or you know the second bundesliga or you know Serie B or the, the the bottom divisions in Europe. I think th- there's that same countercultural hipster feel that I think MLS yeah, could tap into. Jerseys. Like obscure jerseys. I'm pretty sure it's one of them. Uh, I, I like that. That's that was one thing I took away, Stephen. <laughs> of course, <laughs> it, was, you did. it was the jersey. They had it had to be. It had it had to be. I think it's interesting. You know, people are like, oh, that's cool. Your MLS. You know, it, it is a hipster thing. It's like me and my Hertha Berlin jersey I have right now. Like, it's it's a hipster thing, man. You, you just gotta get in the wave one day. One day you'll, you'll be on that wave of uh, hipster jerseys, Steven. I already have a couple. Oh, I bet. So, uh, what about you, Jake? Well, hipster jerseys? No, <laughs> no. What your thoughts on the interview? Jersey. <laughs> oh. Hey, but do you have hipster jerseys though? Do you? That's I a good do, question. I, I have. Uh, I was gifted an Arsenal jersey, which I. <laughs> is, like, as a Chelsea fan, I think that's a very hipster jersey. What about the what about the green jersey, the white day jersey? Oh man, I don't even know what that club is called. I don't even know what, what, what like Davisstadt or something. I can't remember. It doesn't fit me. It's sitting. It's buried somewhere. I'm like, well, I can never wear this jersey. Hey, listeners, if you have, let's let's have a competition. Let's see if somebody actually tweets us. Um, all to you listeners out there, most hipster jersey you have. Let us know what it is. Curious to know. FC but... Wacker, Austria. <laughs> Anyway, my takeaway from the interview is I, I thought it was very interesting. I, I, I enjoy getting a European perspective on uh, Am I not MLS. European enough for you? No, you're not at all. Like, you're you're not, fake you're accent. America, you you I don't even know what to call you. <laughs> you. You're American, you're not European. Well, wait, I already um, swore on the show, so this is already going explicit. Well, I'm not gonna. I'm, you know, I like to keep. Yeah, like we're, to hold, we're we're family friendly in La Paz. I'm like you, Stephen. I like to Steven. hold a high standard to my, uh, my myself to a higher standard, Stephen. So oh, okay, I, I I try to uh, bleep myself when I can. Um, no, I enjoyed the the European perspective. I enjoyed listening to what Antoine had to say about MLS, what he uh, thought about just kind of like the league as a whole in, in regards to the, the the structure of it. You know, the no promotion relegation, the playoff structure. Um, salary cap things like that uh, I, I think it's always i mean i know the, the league's not popular in europe but i i think it's always good to kind of hear from people on that side of the world just what they think of soccer in this country after mm. it's been looked down upon 
for, for so long, you know, in, in terms of, oh, yeah, the U.S., they, they, they play a hand egg or whatever, whatever they call American football, you know. So, hand I don't know. Egg. Hand egg, yeah. Hand egg. It's a fall. The football. It's a shit it's like egg. egg. I've never heard somebody call American football handbag. Hand egg. Hand egg. Ha- hand egg. Your ears European too? What the? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're a Euro uh, to the highest degree. Hate mail at Jake Wittrobo on that. I kid. I kid. Jeez. I know. Right, anyway, let's get to the counterattack because we, we got to get the... moving. Let's go. Fast-paced. Shifty movement. Brilliant skill. Yeah! It's the counterattack with Jake Wittrobo. All right, boys. It's counterattack time once again on Uncle Sam's soccer podcast. Got a topic or two here for Ooh. you guys. Ooh. Ooh, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready for another game. First topic up for discussion. Sounds like Greg Berhalter is the favorite to land the U.S. men's national team job. What are your thoughts on that? Armand? I, 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 I just threw up. Sorry. You have to continue. Steven. I just threw um, up. I, no, I don't like it. Moving on. Seriously, I really yeah, don't, I don't like, like yeah. this move. It, it's, not, it's not a good move at all. We wait a year for an MLS coach. Come on. By the way, if I'm Burhalter, I'm more enticed by the LA Galaxy vacancy than I am by the U.S. men's national team. Why? Why? Because I think LA Galaxy is a better springboard. With the U.S. men's national team, if you fail, you go back to MLS and then you just forgotten, forgotten about. you are forgotten about. I think you, it, it, it comes to the point. We waited a year so you can get a coach that's been in MLS that you could have hired before the season started. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let me ask you guys this. Let me ask you guys this. Did U.S. soccer drop the ball on not hiring a, or going after or pursuing him? And maybe they did. We don't know. But did they drop the ball on not trying to hire a guy like Terry Henry who was just hired by Monaco? Yes. 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 Or a Juan Carlos Osorio? Come on, man. They really Henry? just... Henri would have done something because I think people would have respected him, but he's also familiar with MLS. Yeah, he is. And so is Juan Carlos Osorio. I mean, these aren't like far-fetched options. People don't realize these guys are familiar with MLS. And we kind of just laughed at him and moved on. It's, it's kind of ridiculous that we wait a year for a guy like Greg Berhalter, who, who we could have gotten last year, who could have been playing a system by now. Are we saying Berhalter's going to be a bad coach? No, but it's kind of ridiculous how slow this whole process has been. And... This is on U.S. soccer, and oh, we were promised change and all that crap. Yeah, yeah, same incompetence, same BS, same bullshit. I'll cuss. Wow. Okay, let's move on. Let's move on. I got. Let's keep it U.S. soccer related, though. Um, guys, I'm waiting for your apology letters on Julian Green. <laughs> That's had, you. That is no, you. No, Armand. Armand pissed off his dad a, a month ago. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> I forgot uh, about what, that. What we didn't touch on the game against uh, Colombia because it didn't mean anything. Because it doesn't mean anything. But what? Quickly though, give me, give me your thoughts on the performance. Give me your thoughts on Julian Green's performance. A year of I don't Kellen care Acosta. about Julian. Gre- I don't care about Julian Green. Kellen Acosta is regaining some of the same runs that he would make at FC Dallas. Kind of getting that form. Uh, midfield is boring. Uh, Anthony Robinson makes the same mistakes he always makes where he lets people go past him and try to let his pace catch up and nothing else really happens. That goal by James was pretty good, but the U.S. literally allowed him to like walk in and take a shot like that. I mean, come on. There's, there's not much to take away from that game because we might not see half those players again with the national team. End rant. Um, ditto. 
All right, let's move on. Last topic here up for discussion. Quickly, quickly, give me your thoughts on Matias Almeida being named manager of the San Jose Earthquakes. Ambitious, and I think we're seeing a trend of more, uh, I guess, Latino-based or more prominent coaches coming to MLS because the allure of the country itself, mm. maybe not necessarily the league. Ballsy. It is a ballsy move, um, but now they need to get the players because I, I coaching mm-hmm. only works if you have the players. Mm-hmm. Spot so. on. That is spot on. That is spot on. Well, that's it for the counterattack. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, and I'm going to wrap the show up. Can I, can I wrap the show up? Right. Yeah, wrap it up. Wrap it up. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Pod. Make sure you submit... Columbus Crew fans, I repeat, make sure you submit your hate mail to... Hey, graphs, graphs, graphs. Don't forget Yeah, graphs. and make sure you submit your analytical graphs on attendance to either at Steven Jodoran, that's his personal account, or <laughs> at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. He's the one who usually runs that Twitter account. So either or, he will see. And we will all see, but more specifically, Steven will see. And um, he will be the one to respond to you. So make sure, again... Follow us at Unc Sam Soccer Pod. Follow Armand Kafai at Armand Kafai at Stephen Jodoran. Follow myself at Jake Watroba. Don't forget, don't forget, leave us a review on iTunes. Good, bad, whatever. Leave us. No, no, a no, no. We want only good ones. <laughs> only good reviews. Only good hey, reviews. Make right. sure, make sure you download the show, undownload it, and then re-download it just <laughs> for the, the boost. And, and you know what? We're also beyond iTunes. We're also on iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Focus uh, Store. And, and anywhere you find a podcast. So for Steven, for Armand, I'm Jake. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. The available AKG 36 speaker sound system in the Cadillac Escalade provides 360 degree sound. So you hear studio sound on the road. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade never stop arriving. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.